0: You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest, bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com podcast. And now, here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld.
1: Welcome, everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guest today is Samuel Becht. He is founder and CEO at Delix. We're going to talk to him about two different products that they've got going on, one they've worked, and worked on for a while. One is kind of new and exciting, quite innovative. Uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this conversation, not only uh, from the kind of psychedelic view in terms of what they're trying to do and and try to, and trying to help the community and patients with outcomes and benefits, but also the tech and how they're approaching it. This is kind of a a nice Venn diagram overlap of my worlds in tech and psychedelics, so I'm excited for this. We can get geek out a little bit, but I'll let him kind of describe the products that they've been working on and the new ones they've got coming out and why they've approached the market this way, what they hope to achieve, and really the full story. So I'm excited about all this. With all that, Samuel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Why don't we, uh, why don't we start with background? I always love kind of hearing how people got into this space, I guess how did you get into tech, into data? How did you get into psychedelics? What's the backstory?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, uh, let's ta- let's start with how I got into psychedelics, which is uh, quite a while ago. Some would argue that it may have been a little bit too soon, as I was still in my uh, in my teens. But I have actually been using psychedelics as um, as a spiritual tool for myself when I was quite young already. And I figured that not just as a recreational substance, but really as a mind-expanding substance at the time with psilocybin, I was able to really develop myself into the human being that I am today. And it's played a major role in my development and the choices that I've made throughout the last decade. A couple of years ago, actually, as COVID hit in 2020 in Europe, I was in india and i was at a vipassana retreat and as i exited the vipassana retreat and turned my phone back on i realized that that covet hit in europe yeah. and things were crazy and yeah. so i went back early moved to berlin and um and started thinking about how i could help people basically improve their mental health and yeah. uh, and it was a an easy one-on-one because i knew what it had done for me how psychedelics have been helping me to stay balanced and and so that's kind of where it started. And uh, at the beginning, the idea was to, uh, to start a retreat, but my background is not in, uh, in mental health. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went looking for people that are experts that could help me there. And uh, I figured out that was that was quite difficult for me, even doing extensive research, to figure out what's the difference between a shaman and a facilitator and a trip seeker and a, yeah. a psychedelic assisted psychotherapist, right? And so um, then eventually we started building a, uh, a platform to connect what at the time we called guide seekers and mm-hmm. practitioners in order for people to be able to find the right practitioners. Yeah. That's a couple of years back. Right now, there's a couple of those platforms around. We found that both on the supply and the demand side, there was not enough volume. And so we started checking, how can we be more relevant? Yeah. And, um, and that's how we started, uh, that's how we started Delix. And um, at Delix, initially, we built the dose app, which is a microdose tracker, initially for people themselves to figure out, does microdosing work for me, yes or mm-hmm. no? Because we found that lots of people didn't know, you know, how to set an intention, figure out what protocol to choose, et cetera, et cetera. And then also look at the outcomes, you know. Okay, I've done this for a month now, but is it actually working for me? So we built that tracker and there's uh, about 8,000 people on it now. We're still building it. We're iterating on it every day. And so essentially what we're doing is we're gathering data in order to figure out for people individually, does microdosing work for me? for their coach or therapist to see how microdosing helps in the therapeutic process. And we're also collaborating with certain, with partners that want to get more insight in in the data of what microdosing does for bigger populations. Interesting.
1: I'm, I'm curious in your original uh, kind of experience with psychedelics, what, what, how did it actually come up? Like how did how did you learn or how did how did you approach psychedelics or how was it introduced to you? And what do you feel it actually did? Like what was your personal experience in terms of kind of the experience and the benefit of that and, and what change actually happened or what what how it led to kind of changes for you? Like what was your what was your personal learning?
2: I think uh, Bruce, I, I mean uh, many learnings, but uh, that first experience, I was actually sixteen years old, experimenting with a uh, with a lot of different uh, things, including yeah. substances and um, uh, some of them mind expanding, others yep. less so. And um, actually, with a couple of friends, we uh, we got some mushrooms. I'm from Amsterdam. At that time, we were still able to buy mushrooms here. Uh-huh. Uh, these days, truffles are still legal, uh, yeah. which also contains psilocybin. We got the mushrooms. We were very naive of about what was gonna happen, but we yeah. had uh, we had her to make sure that we had some sugar present for if it was too um, too intense. Uh-huh. And that was about it. And we and we started. And yeah, yeah. And um and so I think. One of the things that struck me most in that experience is that I uh, started experiencing that actually the space between me and my friends, the physical yeah. space between me and my friends started to um, to dissolve and therefore also the metaphysical space between us started to dissolve. And I started mm. feeling very connected yep. and um, at the time I was quite um, a rascal. And uh, that was kind of a, a pivotal moment for me yeah. where I felt like, oh, wait a second, you know, we're all cut out of the same wood. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what initiated the first changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. I just always, like, people's first experiences with psychedelics can be, you know, incredibly powerful, also quite varied. Like, you know, some people it's, you know, soothing and relaxing. Some people it's super insightful. In this case, you know, this kind of connectedness. Yeah, just go, sort of shows the power of the medicine and, and what, what can what can actually be done with it. So how, I guess, so, so you're now kind of in this more business context. What, I mean, what do you hope to achieve? Like what what's the ultimate goal for you in terms of, you know, working on these tools, you know, helping these people with this, these substances, like where, what's the end state that you're hoping for? What's the impact you're hoping to have?
2: Essentially, we want to scale accessibility to the responsible use of psychedelics and the goal here is to make sure that not just those people that go to retreats or clinic clinics yeah. get access to integration therapy, but it's actually people that may not have the resources or not have the knowledge, the legal ability to go to such a clinic or retreat, which is still 95% of psychedelic users, right? Yeah. And uh, provide them with harm reduction tools that allow them to use psychedelics responsibly, and so. In five years, I want to be able to, to say that we'll have helped ten million people to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. I love I love the BHAG. Uh, <laughs> so I guess what's the core challenge that you feel like, or the problem that you're trying to solve for people, right? It, like if if you look at you know the, the goal of helping these people use these substances for you know positive kind of benefits in their lives, transformations in their lives. Like how, as you kind of looked at the challenges they face or the problems they face, which are the ones that you felt like, hey, look, I think we can really help them, you know, using kind of tools and technologies approaches that we have. What are the ones that you felt, hey, like we can really address these? And are there any that you were like, hey, like these are real problems, but it's just not, we we can't deal with that or we can't, that's not a a focus, that's not going to be a focus of ours.
2: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I, I love a challenge. So whenever I feel that there are things that are needed in the space and I'm, I'm very passionate about helping people here, I want to see if there's a way that we can do it. But obviously, you know, we're not a biotech company, so we won't <laughs> start generating substances or doing any anything like that. But one of the really important things I feel when it comes to integrating a, a psychedelic experience is a sense of belonging and a sense of community, and actually, what we see in many people that engage in psychedelic journeys, that once they get back home and they're back in their regular kind of regular life with their regular behaviors and you know back in the rut, the effects wear off. And so, one of the challenges here is how can we make sure that when someone goes to retreats, goes to a clinic or they take psychedelics by themselves and they have this beautiful experience where they experience the divine or or they have an experience which is actually not very favorable, yeah. you know, how can we allow them to feel that they're not alone in dealing with this?
1: Yeah, and, you know, there's such a range of experiences for people at this point. I mean, you mentioned all the retreats and, you know, whether you're, flying to South America for 10 days and staying at really nice accommodations or you're in some kind of hut in the in the jungle or, yeah. or you're doing it, you know, in someone's home somewhere, right? And in, in kind of a back alley kind of experience or you're doing it yourself. I mean, what are the key kind of elements for you? Like when you look at designing an experience or, or creating an appropriate experience, I mean, we all talk about sets and setting and kind of this thing, but practically... Like how, what are you finding really are are as key to helping people kind of figure out what context they need to be in to have, you know, as most impact as possible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, it starts before that, right? Uh, It starts Mm -hmm. with the assessment. Should you (laughs) uh, be taking a psychedelic substance? I think that is um, a really important pillar in figuring out how to then deal with it if we find that that is suitable for you. And then I think there's, there's three main phases. There's preparation, the psychedelic experience, and then, and there's integration. And there are different treatment modalities within, you know, integration work that can help in these different stages. Think for example, about ACT, right? But also newer treatment modalities like IFS, internal family systems. And how can we plot those on essentially the integration journey, which starts with uh, preparation right and how can we make sure that people have the right knowledge about their state of mind the right knowledge about how to how to prepare their body for the experience etc so yeah those things are really important i think
1: yeah and as as you looked at kind of the tech side of this like what's Mm -hmm. been your approach to actually kind of creating the app in terms of decisions around what the app was going to do how it was going to work what you've Kind of learned has really been helpful is there anything that you you know thought was going to work that you ends up didn't really work that you've had to kind of factor out of the, the app and what has been kind of the product learnings as you've gone into this on the um, Dose app?
2: Well, I think that that's one of the reasons that from the Dose app, we're moving, we're moving towards Afterglow, our, our new project. And essentially in the Dose app, what we were mostly doing was tracking someone's state of mind and helping them with setting intention and figuring out what protocol to microdose with. But what we found and uh, you know, talking to our customers is that there are actually a lot of people that use psychedelics and don't have access to proper expensive guidance that would love to have guidance in a digital tool. And so one of the things that we started iterating on within the Dose app is to see how we could leverage conversational AI in order to help them on a day-to-day basis. And that's also one of the things in Afterglow In which we are really a guiding force for someone going through a psychedelic experience is the use of artificial intelligence in order to make an impact on someone's set of mind
1: yeah so i guess talk me through i mean conceptually i get the idea talk me through the actual implementation like what have you learned in terms of what a conversational ai Guide kind <laughs> mm-hmm. of needs to do what it needs not mm-hmm. to do. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like there's, there's. I'm sure there's complicated details in a lot of that. That I'd be mm-hmm. curious to get some insights on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So what we know right now is that if we use artificial intelligence, for example, you know, large language models Mm -hmm. and uh, in order to converse with people on an app, but these people are in quite a vulnerable state because, you know, their state of mind may not be optimal, which is exactly why they engage with psychedelics. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There is a really big risk that if an error occurs in uh, the way that you interact with someone that there's you know negative consequences. So essentially we're looking at ways to mitigate those risks by making sure that at this time, there's also a manual component, making sure that uh, there's checks and balances and that we basically program the AI to only be able to provide certain yeah. um, advice or, or certain feedback, which is then based on essentially an input that we have Created, which is rooted in in a couple of different treatment modalities, so that we know that the exercises that we propose, when we measure how someone is is feeling at a certain time, is
1: always accurate. Yeah, I can see the dilemma. <laughs> You're kind right. of interacting mm. with people who are in altered, kind of altered states, mm. uh, which is where you kind of want them to be from a therapeutic point of view, but mm-hmm. can be done challenging from an interaction point of view. I guess as you looked at the people that were really going to use this beyond kind of the, uh, you know, I can't financially afford to 20 grand to go down to Costa Rica and have this amazing psychedelic experience at some uh, retreat center, you know, in the jungle kind of thing. What, Mm. like, what have you found or, or who have you chosen to kind of target? Are there any kind of demographic or psychographic kind of profiles that you are really kind of focusing on in terms of who is going to use this app and therefore how you're kind of making product decisions?
2: Right. Actually, so it's twofold because at the moment we're actually speaking to a couple of partners that we're engaging in beta tests with that are retreats or clinics in Europe Uh for now that are working with their clientele. And so essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to optimize the app in order for them to be able to gather the right data in order to be able to optimize their care delivery, right? So that's one. And on the other hand, we have now about 8,000 users on the DOS app, which we're continuously asking for feedback and figuring out which of those people would also be interested in the Afterglow product, uh, product so that we can take learnings from them. And at the moment, this is just very qualitative uh, user research that we're doing.
1: Yeah. And what are the um, what are the big unknowns that you have right now as you're kind of looking at either business strategy, where things are going, or product strategy? What are the kind of uncertainties or the things that you're trying to kind of a- answer? You know, whether it's market or product or kind of overall environment issues. Right. I think
2: mostly where the market is going. Right. So is it going to be an industry which is informed by clinical approval, where MEPS is going through approval in the United States, first with MDMA, and there there's certain clinics that are working with ketamine and then eventually uh, psilocybin, and that will all move, move over to Europe. Mm-hmm. Or is there going to be more a decriminalization movement going? That's, I think, the big unknown. And what we're building right now is something that I believe will be able to um, to withstand either of those either of those movements. But having said that, I have no idea where it's going.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people are, people are trying to figure those out. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, kind of marketing or go to market strategy on some of this stuff, like how, like how are you navigating this? I mean, cause you know, obviously a lot of these things are still not sort of legal or at least it's a little fuzzy what's legal and what's not, or it's creating a zones zones. Um, Is that impact you or how are you kind of approaching this from an expansion and traction point of view?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's impacting everyone. And uh, so at the moment, uh, you know, traditional digital marketing, which I I do have a background in, is not something that is probably the the best path uh, to success. So what we're doing is we have strategic partnerships, for example, with one of the biggest truffle producers. In Europe, so in Europe, essentially truffles are legal in the Netherlands. Okay. But there is uh, the Schengen Treaty that allows for free movements of goods and people within the European Union, Uh uh, which means that if you live in France or if you live in another EU country, you can actually order truffles from the Netherlands legally. And so (laughs) there's a couple of very, very large manufacturers. And uh, one of the distribution strategies that we have now is, uh, is partnership with those manufacturers so that when people receive those truffles, they actually also receive an invitation uh, to use our products along with them. And that's worked pretty well so far.
1: Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess the partnerships, you know, it's a nice kind of bolt on because they're already doing business with, or they're, you know, they're basically delivering these products to folks and this is a nice kind of add on. Um, exactly. Do you see this? I mean, I, I guess I can I envision this going t- kind of two ways. One, more kind of, you know, folks that are doing this themselves or want to do kind of a self-therapy kind of process using psychedelics. Another one is more kind of, you know, with a clinic or some kind of Go medical or quasi-medical kind of support. Yeah. Um, I guess, where do you see... Do you see your product going down one or the other or both of these paths? Like what's the future evolution?
2: Right. Yeah. So um, with the Dose app, which is the microdosing app that is uh, live right now, we're working with practitioners that are able to brand the app in the way that they want to brand it. So we Mm -hmm. reach the end users by actually talking to the coaches and the therapists that then get access to uh, the data that their clients are generating when it comes to the to the afterglow uh, uh, product it's really a hybrid between reaching uh, end users directly and working with retreats and clinics in order to optimize their care delivery and eventually the psychedelic experience for yeah
1: do you have any sense on the numbers i mean i know you want to you want to hit this 10 million you know in terms of impact but mm. we'll, what do you have any goals for how many users you want on the system how frequently they, they're using it like what does success look like in terms of you know product product use
2: Yeah, so I think more than acquisition or the amount of users, uh, one of our most important metrics is engagement. And that is because, you know, after the psychedelic experience, you may experience this afterglow in which you feel like, actually, I don't really need to change any behaviors Mm. or habits. I feel pretty good right now. and then great. Right, exactly. And then as that subsides, which can happen after a day or three or after three weeks, we haven't really made ourselves conditioned ourselves to start making it a habit to engage with you know an integration protocol to make sure that we're doing the right things in order to make sure that those those effects last so it's really really important for us that people actually keep using the app and so what we do is with the app that we're building right now, essentially we're doing something that we call mental health triangulation. So we're, we're measuring with different proxies how someone is feeling. So this can be by a journal entry, which is either written or, or spoken, with specific questions uh, we ask them, with tech usage, but also the integration of wearables. And with all those different proxies, we can triangulate how someone is feeling. Let's say someone is feeling uh, pretty lethargic on a specific day, mm-hmm. then we give them a breathing exercise that stimulates their nervous system to feel a bit more active so that when someone engages with the app, we give them the right input to immediately feel that this is helping so that they want to come back. What you see, I think, in in first-generation wellness applications is that you, know, you get a bunch of exercises which may be categorized, and whenever you want to, you try one of them. But that's, I don't believe that's how you keep people using your product. And that's also not, in this case, how people can, you know, experience lasting changes. So the measurement, the mental health triangulation is extremely important for us to be able to hyper-personalize someone's journey and make sure they keep coming back.
1: Yeah. And how are you generating the content, right? I mean, I guess I love the idea of breathing exercises or meditations or... Uh, you know things you could do to either further enhance the experience or maybe offset a, a negative component of the experience. But like, mm-hmm. how are you actually generating, creating this content and and making sure that there's a plenty of options for folks in the system?
2: Right. So at the moment we're doing it manually, but eventually. We're looking into a couple of different options so there are actually uh, quite a few uh, therapists and coaches out there that are generating their own content so potentially partnerships there we're we're talking to a couple of people with extensive clinical experience to make sure that uh, whatever exercises we use from for example the act framework or the ifs framework are really well developed and and rooted in you know valid research but at the moment, we're we're doing everything ourselves. We're doing it manually. And um, yeah, we're just getting started.
1: Yeah. I'm sort of a mechanical Turk. Just right. In heavy, heavy lifting mode right now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In terms of, you know, kind of the compounds or the modalities that you're working with then, I mean, you mentioned psilocybin, you mentioned ketamine. Like as you look at the kind of constellation of kind of psychedelics and quasi-psychedelics that we're dealing with, you know, whether it's you know, plant-based or animal-based or lab-based, like what's, what's on your radar or where do you think, like, what is your roadmap in terms of, you know, being able to kind of support or, you know, specifically target or support these different kind of compounds and their uniqueness and the different journeys and the different kind of experiences people are going to have? Like, how, how do you manage that world? Right. So,
2: we're compound agnostic at this point, so I believe that there's a lot you can do in your preparation and your integration, which is actually more generalistic, regardless of whether you use mushrooms or or mescaline or you know uh, another compound. And so we try at this moment to make sure that the content and the exercises are actually be actually suitable for any type of of compound that someone may use and even for other type of transformational experiences. This doesn't just, this isn't just limited to the use of psychedelics, you know, someone can have a transformational experience which they uh, need to integrate uh, through bread work or through uh, death or another event in someone's life. And so we're agnostic there. Having said that, obviously, when we go, uh, when it turns out that we're going more in the avenue of decriminalization, we would be focusing more on um, natural occurring um, uh, substances, so earth medicine, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. but we're also very open to work with biotech companies that are looking to to improve the efficacy of the substances that they're bringing to market.
1: Yeah, interesting. Sam, this has been a pleasure. Have people want to get more information on you, on Dose app, on Afterglow, what's the best way to get all this information?
2: Absolutely. So please go to afterglow.ag, uh, which is our news project, which is really focused on preparing for the psychedelic experience and integrating psychedelic experience.
1: Great. I'll make sure that the links and everything on the show notes here so people can get that. So it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast.